my strength as an entrepreneur and even this is like my numerology is number one. So it's a life path one is like a pioneer. So it's kind of part of my DNA a little bit. I don't fully know the answer to it, but there is this part of me that has an ability to hold the vision, to just like really stay connected with what the vision is and understand that pioneering, which is really what a lot of entrepreneurs are doing means that you are out front and nobody else necessarily knows what or why you're doing. And you'll have kind of your advocates and your people who believe in you and want to follow you and be a part of it with you, which is amazing. But you'll have a lot of people going, I do not understand what you're talking about. Like that's not going to work or whatever. And, you know, I think the other thing that I've practiced, so I, I guess the summary of what I'm trying to say is it's been practice. It's been practice yep. to continue to trust myself and to be able to look back on a lifetime of you did know, you did know, you did know. Yes. Like ultimately it was proven what you thought or what you um, were anticipating, what you were manifesting or whatever. Like everything I've ever wanted somehow or another, every goal, every vision board I've created, like it's ultimately come true, right? And so, you know, um, I just turned 40. So at this point in my life, it's like I have enough past evidence to know, to trust myself and just keep going. And the other thing is it's all just a game anyway. So if I'm engaged in that concept and I think it sounds fun and sounds like something worth pursuing and it's lighting me up, just I'll just do it. Welcome to A Conscious Way Forward, a podcast about healing, reimagining leadership, and reinventing education. If you're a seeker, changemaker, or dreamer, you're in the right place. I'm your host, David K. Richards, and I'm on a mission to help individuals rise in consciousness and usher in a new paradigm of a more equitable and just global society. As an educator, founder and CEO, dadpreneur, coach, and ambassador for change, I share my conscious journey through real, raw, and relatable stories while engaging in conversations with a diverse group of guests. I discuss timeless wisdom teachings and how they've helped me navigate life, leadership, parenting, and heal my traumatic childhood wounds. If you're ready to come home to your soul's purpose, co-create a more equitable world, dream, act, and heal forward together, then please continue to listen. Hello, everyone. In today's episode, I talk with Sarah Holly who is the author of a recently published book, Conscious Leadership, A Journey from Ego to Heart. In this book, she shares how she's ditched the mainstream expectations for leadership and that she did the deep inner work to connect with her unique way of leading. Sarah also shares candidly about her struggles with anxiety and depression, how she hit rock bottom, and how she learned to climb back up to a life of renewed purpose. Sarah's a serial entrepreneur and investor and is also the founder of Grow Motley, which is a company that matches skilled professionals with growing companies offering long-term remote jobs. This interview is authentic and full of insights, and I really, really enjoyed talking with Sarah. So let's do this. All right. Hello, everyone. I'm so excited today to be with Sarah Holly, and we just met, which is super exciting, and we were just chatting about how I think there's so many places where we're aligned. And I know the audience, I know y'all that are listening will love to hear from Sarah. And I'd love to just open up by saying, well, first of all, thank you for giving some time and being with us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, David. Absolutely. So I would love just to open up by hearing a little bit about your journey, your life as an entrepreneur, as a human, wherever you'd like to take us, just kind of sharing it about yourself. 
Mm-hmm. Such a big question. <laughs> I'll give you the quick rundown. Um, I, I guess, I mean, to go right back, I started working since I was like 14 and I had all the different jobs. And um, I, I guess I'm starting here because I updated my LinkedIn profile the other day and I was thinking about this, but I basically hated working for anyone ever. <laughs> I really did not enjoy it. And then when I was about 25, I started working well, I kind of had been working on and off, but seriously working in my family business with my dad when I was 25. And because it was a family business and, you know, he gave me a lot of opportunity to see everything about the business, not just the role that I was in. I very quickly fell in love with business and entrepreneurship. It was a financial planning company and I was a financial planner, which I loved as well. But I was, I could see that I was really falling in love with the business side of things. And I think, what I, one of the things I loved about it is like the ability to create something, you know, you create something out of nothing and then it exists in the world, which is really cool. And also I think just the ability to create your own reality, create your own destiny and all of that. So yeah, when I was about 28, I think it was, or 29, I started my own business, um, which was also financial planning and then spent the next 10 years of my entrepreneurial career founding, scaling and selling ultimately um, professional services businesses. So what I would call productized services. So finding a way to streamline and productize whatever the service was, mostly in financial planning. Um, So that was a really, I turned my company's remote in 2015 because I wanted more freedom and more flexibility and I wanted to be able to travel, which is something I love to do. And um, was finding it hard to find people all over the world to be part of my remote company. So I started a remote recruitment agency, um, which after I sold my last financial planning business in 2018, I stepped in to grow my team as the CEO, which is the remote recruitment company, and then kind of got the idea to launch what I'm now working on, which is Growmotely, and that's a remote recruitment platform. Um, so a company, a, a technology platform to help basically connect people and companies all over the world because in 2021 I feel like the world is open you can find the company and the people that love the thing as much as you do and can join you on that journey so yeah as I say that's a really big question to answer quickly so that's (laughs) the high level (laughs) thank you (laughs) and you know when I was kind of like doing a little research before we met I'm like oh my gosh I love Sarah because there's so many things that we have in common around, like you said, creating things from scratch and really leaning into the entrepreneurial spirit. And it's really cool to hear your story. And I love to talk to what I call paradigm shifters. And when I was reading up about how you said that, you know, you stuck with your, your guns, your intuition, you're like, I'm going to do this remote work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you're like, and then COVID hit. <laughs> <You're kinda> like, <laughs> and I had a similar experience around, this feeling around the education system and how there was something big that was coming. And I really didn't know what it was, but I just felt like there was this kind of more um, homeschooling movement and kind of a decentralized way of doing mm-hmm. school for kids and where the parents would have to like really be at home with the kids. And I kept getting this kind of intuitive guidance. And I was like, I think I should start a company that like helps people figure out how to homeschool. And I'm like, ah, just none of the things were really connecting for me, but I just felt like something was coming. And then obviously, you know, March, 2020 happened and it's like, oh, okay. 
like what was it billions of parents were home with their kids for like oh, a year. I love it. Oh, I'm just like <laughs> so vibrating I, right now. Like it's yeah. it's so amazing, isn't it? And I've just had my first baby, so he's three months old and um, thankfully my partner and I are on the same page, but particularly yeah. over the past 12 months, like one of the things is we absolutely do not want to send him to school. Like it's just yeah. not on our radar and the way that we both work, it's like school is not conducive to producing someone who can work in the way we do. So why would we exactly. do that? It's the opposite of that is the exact opposite of that. No, it's so true. And anytime I talk to an entrepreneur, they're always just kind of like so confused and yeah. <laughs> wondering what they're going to do with their own child or children, or they yeah. figure out something totally different. Um, but I wanted to hear more about how you kind of approach these ideas and how you stay grounded as a leader to really stick with, like, I think you said stuck with your guns. I can't remember if that was the line you used when I was reading your website, but how do you stay true to what you believe is the truth around like, no, I feel like this remote working thing is a thing, even though so many people on the outside are like, what are you talking about? Like, that's, that's not a fun, that's not a, you know, viable business model, whatever things you might be hearing. How do you, how do you mm-hmm. that? Yeah. I mean, it's been a journey. I think like I've always been very intuitive and particularly when I was kind of coming into my teenage years, like the midst of my teenage years, 15, 16, my intuition really started coming in strong. Um, And, you know, it it actually got really overwhelming for me at that age because there was, it was almost, there was intuition. There was also probably an element of like, I don't know if it was like psychic abilities or something to do with like really knowing what was coming and what was happening, but it was all very short term and sometimes really intense challenging things as well you know it's not just not just the highs um but sometimes the lows and I would have this you know sense of doom sometimes when something bad was going to happen or what have you or perceive you know but bad's just an objective word but I think you understand what I'm saying and you know I actually pushed my intuition down a lot in my 20s it was something that I just I was like no it's too much I can't handle it it was getting very confusing with me um, sorry, for me between like what was anxiety and what was like intuition. Right. Um, and I also created a story in my mind that being kind of connected and I don't know, like hippie-ish, which I am, was not conducive to being successful. I had a, I had right. a bit of a, a context around that in my 20s. So I kind of, you know, pushed a lot of it down, but like it still existed as much as I tried to you know, push it down, it would show up like in my business. Like I would intuitively know what was going on in my company with one of my team members, or I would intuitively know, you know, a way that we could do something. And every time I like let it in a little bit, it's like the universe would just be showing me like, yes, like, listen, listen, listen. So it's been quite a big journey for me because I think I really had to, it was around my early thirties that I started listening again and opening up and healing myself so that I could understand what was anxiety and actually heal that so that I don't don't really struggle with it anymore. Um, but, and to open up to this space of intuition and welcome it in. So that's like part of the story, but I also think that my strength as an entrepreneur, and even this is like my numerology is number one. So it's a life path. One is like a pioneer. So it's kind of part of my DNA a little bit. I don't fully know the answer to it, but there is this part of me that has an ability to hold the vision to just like really stay connected with what the vision is and understand that pioneering, which is 
really what a lot of entrepreneurs are doing means that you are out front and nobody else necessarily knows what or why you're doing. And you'll have kind of your advocates and your people who believe in you and want to follow you and be a part of it with you, which is amazing. But you'll have a lot of people going, I do not understand what you're talking about. Like that's not going to work or whatever. And, you know, I think the other thing that I've practiced, so I, I guess the summary of what I'm trying to say is it's been practice. It's been practice yep. to continue to trust myself and to be able to look back on a lifetime of you did know, you did know, you did know. Yes. Like ultimately it was proven what you thought or what you um, were anticipating, what you were manifesting or whatever. Like everything I've ever wanted somehow or another, every goal, every vision board I've created, like it's ultimately come true, right? And so, you know, um, I just turned 40. So at this point in my life, it's like I have enough past evidence to know, to trust myself and just keep going. And the other thing is it's all just a game anyway. So if I'm engaged in that concept and I think it sounds fun and sounds like something worth pursuing and it's lighting me up, just I'll just do it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That is is like so true. And I just resonated with so many parts of your story. And I remember as a teenager, I always tell the story because it was so fun. My, I was a high school basketball player, like the basketball of my wife in high school, like everything to me. And the last game, I didn't have any attachments or any expectations because it was the last game. It was like, we were the lower seed and whatever. We went and tried, drove for three hours, but like, I literally had the most out-of-body experience during that game, yeah. like mind-body-spirit connection where like, I actually felt like I was watching the movie and then I missed twice, I scored like 30 points with me, and I only missed twice. It was the two times that I went into my actual like thinking brain and mm-hmm. was like, wait, this is too easy. Why is it so easy for me to be scoring so many points? And then I missed like a two-foot shot, you know? And I tell that story because I feel like that was how I kind of lived my teenage years, like being really connected, really tapped in, but not trusting, like similar to yeah. yours, like not trusting. I didn't get the overwhelming doom and gloom, but I did just really like, not trust. And then as I was going through life, because I also have the kind of pioneer archetype and I, I'm always like 30 years ahead, even before I was really deep into the intuitive path, like, you know, really getting good at that. I always was kind of like, like the first job I had was blockbuster video. It was like the first one in my town in the nineties, you know, like, like what you're going to have a hundred new releases on the shelf and only charge $3. That's crazy. You know, like that kind of <laughs> stuff, you know? <laughs> now we're all laughing, but yeah. <laughs> but those are the kind of jobs I always had. I always started kind of like the new kind of different thing. And so I love how you kind of have that pioneer um, ethos. And, and then I remember when I was an executive at my school organization and I was sitting in a meeting and we were t- talking about whether we were going to close the school. So we had opened eight schools and I was pretty new to the executive team and I was just sitting there and this is before I really trusted my intuition. And I just got a little flash like the school's gonna close. And I didn't say anything at the moment, like we should close the school. Like, let's just, let's just close the school now. And everyone was saying, you know, closing a school is literally one of the most traumatic things you can do. Like you have mm-hmm. crying mothers, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, it's like, a, it's like closing a church. It's like you have community. And so we went for the kind of like, oh, well, let's try and move it down the street and see if we can get, you know, different students in a different building and this and that. And I just really knew that was the wrong answer. I mean, there's no right or wrong answers, but I knew that that was, it was going to play out. That was not the best way to move forward. Mm-hmm. And I didn't say anything. And seven years later, fast forward, and my friend who ended up becoming the chief of staff to the CEO, she was like, 
gosh, it's been the worst year of my life. I'm like, what happened? She's like, we closed the school. <laughs> she's like, I've been spending the year with the parents. And she's like, they're so mad at us. And I'm like, ah, I knew that seven years ago. And I didn't trust myself. And that's why I want to write the book, The Intuitive Leader Within You. That's the book mm. I'm working on. I have an outline in my head, but it hasn't been written yet. So it's been written, but it hasn't been written today in this you know, timeline. <laughs> but I, really <laughs> I want to write that book because I believe that people like you and me, we're all the same. Like you might have kind of tapped into your intuition at a younger age or whatever, but obviously everybody has the ability to really understand the intuitive truth. And so when we think about leadership, you know, imagine if you had been able to really trust yourself at an earlier age. And I just think it would be so cool. Like what would the world look like if you started doing these cool things you're doing now much earlier? Like, Cause you were second guessing and being like, well, I have to go down this path and fit into that box and be this person and do this. And, and so I love, love, love everything you said. And I, I just think it's, um, I really do feel like the shifting paradigm right now is more of an intuitive leadership. Path. It is. And yeah, it's, yeah. sorry, it's, it's just funny no, what you said because, yeah. well, I spent a lot of time, like part of my building my muscle of trusting my intuition, the way that I did it was very similar to you. It was like, by watching the thing that I didn't follow unfold <laughs> and like being like, see, you knew, you knew you could have done that. And then I was like, one day I was like, what about if I just did the thing instead of like resisted it and then watched it go the way that I had known that it was going to. <laughs> so I think that's interesting because I spent a lot of time, the way that I proved my intuition was real was by not following it and then kind of beating myself up later. So <laughs> That's what it goes, right? It's because it's all about direct experience and going through mm-hmm. your life experience and learning the lessons to then believe. But you know, I, I teach a lot of different courses and I always tell people like, don't believe me, just go go try it yourself. And that's where, where learning happens. Like you go through the experience, you're like, oh, that is what happened. Like when I don't follow my intuition, then I later realize that I, I, could, I actually knew the answer, you know? But I was going to ask you a follow-up to that around intuitive leadership. I'm also a big fan of conscious leadership. And I know that you've written a book I remember correctly. I wrote down the name, so I remember. Conscious Leadership, A Journey from Ego to Heart. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to hear about the book and also, you know, just in general, what is is conscious leadership? Yeah, and I think, so I I started, I wrote the book at the start of quarantine and I was basically with my now husband, we just started dating and I was telling him, you know, all these different stories about my business journeys. And he was like, you should write these stories down. So I ended up writing them down and a book just kind of came out of me similar to, I'm sure your book is just about to come out of you at the right time as well. (laughs) Um, But I really like reflected, it's called a journey from ego to heart. I really reflected in the book on my journey from, you know, where I started as a leader, which was in my twenties as I said, pushing down my intuition, pushing down all of that stuff and much more connected to the ego, the material world and this idea of success. Um, And it was, it's really tracking my journey of like how I kind of over time allowed that more consciousness, more intuitive leader within me to come about. Um, And I think really conscious leadership ultimately is, you know, bringing your whole self, like the idea that professionally and personally we're different is false I think um you you know so it's just bringing everything yeah yeah, bringing everything of who you are which you know even includes the doubts and fears we have as a leader like it's okay to bring that to your team it's okay to bring all of it um, because you also have 
the confidence and the strength and the other things. And it's just like letting them see and letting everyone in the organization see all of you. Um, it's taking that full responsibility for yourself. So that self-awareness, self-responsibility, self-ownership kind of piece. And I think there's an element of being like truly connected with and aligned with what you're doing as a business. Like it's not, you, I don't think you can bring this type of leadership to something that you don't really care about. It's, it's being, it's sitting in alignment with whatever it is the business does in the world. So, you know, the book is very much not kind of like 10 steps to be a conscious leader, because I think really being a conscious leader, it's all about knowing oneself. And my version of leadership is very different to everybody else's. And once again, in my early you know, years as a leader, I was reading all the business leadership books and management books, everything. And I was trying all the different things and really getting pretty poor outcomes most of the time because, yeah, you know, yeah, because it wasn't me. That's not my style. You know, and an example, an easy example I can give is, you know, the, the advice to like not hire friends or not be friends with people you work with. I don't think that's actually the goal. I think the goal is to understand and have clear boundaries for yourself, be confident in communicating your boundaries, being able to have uncomfortable conversations with people that you love, being able to navigate through that, that then if you, for me, if I do it that way, it's totally okay to be friends with people that I work with. It's, it's wonderful. (laughs) Yeah. I went to Vegas when I was a first year principal with all the teachers. (laughs) That was like, so criticized by everybody. They're like, you're not allowed to do that. And I was like, no, I'm not allowed to do crazy things with the teachers that then they tell the parents to, but I'm allowed to go and like, I set really good boundaries. Like I know that I'm older and they're younger, like, but I'm still going to go hang out with them and get to know them because you know what? Yeah. It's going to build a much better community and a much better culture for me to be like with them and not act like I'm separate and, and different. Um, exactly. But I wanted to ask you a question and I'm so curious because, so one of my friends had asked years ago, like, I want to shoot, she's an engineer and she's like, I really want to get into leadership. And she's like, what book should I read? And I didn't fall for the trap. Like you were saying of like, I joke about the one word business books, you know, like trust or this or speed Mm -hmm. or whatever it may be leadership. It's like, I didn't give her one of those. I'm like, you know, and this is like several years ago. I was like, I'm just going to give her emotional intelligence and I'll give her the business one. That's like 2.0. That's really small. And I'm going to tell her just to really get to know herself, like understand Mm -hmm. yourself because of, you know, one of the elements of emotional intelligence is like self-awareness and really knowing yourself. And I gave her that book and she is in a very male dominated industry as an engineer. And she was like, this is a waste of my time. I'm not reading this book. Like I, this is not going to be helpful for my industry. This is education. And I was like, okay. So I would love to kind of hear, um, you know, as a female leader, because obviously I feel like we're shifting from this paradigm of the patriarchal mm-hmm. and a white dominant culture into more of a divine feminine and more of the intuitive leadership. And just like through your journey as a woman, you know, how did, how did that go for you? What is, how do you lead as a, as a female? And like, how do you kind of bring that all together in this world of the patriarchy? Mm. Small question, right? Just a small yeah, question. Yeah. Yeah. Just another small one. <laughs> I <laughs> mean, that's why I asked. Yeah. <laughs> I think like many women who exist on the planet at this moment in time, you know, we ha- we did embrace our masculine for some, some period of time at least um, yeah. in order to get ahead. And I think the women who walked before me, much more so, and the yeah. women who come next, much less so, I hope, and I'm probably somewhere in the middle, um, where 
you know, I didn't necessarily have to be totally in my masculine and like a total a-hole or whatever, but, you know, there was a lot of that just energetically, there was a lot of that trait in me for sure. Um, and it's, it's hard to say whether it was required or not. I don't know. Like we are where we are at this moment in time and I don't think it's required anymore. That's one thing I feel really, really comfortable and really confident in saying, um, so okay, my say own that say that again. It's not required anymore. <laughs> it is it is not <laughs> for all the women listening and for men like me that basically suppress their feminine leadership style, which is literally mm-hmm. my biggest strength. So every mentor I said told me, no, 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 don't listen. Tell them what to do. Don't yeah. ask, you know, don't this, don't that, don't blah blah blah. So um don't try no, no, this what's intuition, what's that? Like where's the data? Where's the science? Okay, so tell everyone why it's <laughs> not needed anymore. Okay. Well, <laughs> the, I'll tell you something. I'll tell you a funny story. Am I allowed to talk about plant medicine on this, on this podcast? Okay, yes, cool. Yes, so yes. I sat with, I sat with ayahuasca last year and one of the clear messages I got at the end of my final ceremony was she showed me the fight is no longer with you, me being a representative of a woman who cares about gender equality, who cares about, you know, all of that kind of thing. She showed me the fight is no longer with you. The fight is for the patriarchy to hold on now. You don't need to fight anymore for this. That's been done. The energy of like the feminine energy is on the planet now. They can't do anything about it. And that was so beautiful. And it was like, I'm getting shivers right now. It was this moment where I was like, yes, that is true. Like it is not I can feel that shift has happened where we don't any longer have to fight. There's a lot of healing going on collectively. And I think what's so interesting is patriarchy is what the thing that we've been kind of engulfed in for the last couple of thousand years or whatever it is. It's, and it's not about um, that's not healed masculine energy either. That's toxic masculine energy that all of us adopted men and women And unfortunately, you know, we adopted this kind of toxic masculine, which is this aggressive and, you know, you got to fight and very like do telling people what to do and having not really boundaries, having walls, things like that. Uh So what's happening now on the planet, those of us who are doing this healing work, you know, it's collectively going out into the world around us is balancing it's it's because there's toxic feminine as well energy that was part of that that had to play into that so when we have this more healed masculine and feminine energy that we integrate within ourselves that's how we get to show up as a leader so I've been able to actually very much through my commune with ayahuasca I've sat with her 10 times And the very first time I did was when I really connected with my feminine energy and I understood it. And I went through a big, this was about two, three years ago. I went through like a big rejection of, of the masculine, of all of it, of everything within me, you know, and I was in total like flow state. I wouldn't even write a to-do list because that was too masculine for me. I was like, no, I'm just going to like be so with the flow. And then after a few months, I was like, all right, like you need to get some stuff done now. (laughs) So I think, what the way I see it now is for myself and how I think we all have this opportunity to step into is the feminine energy within us is the intuition, the flow, the creativity, the it's like opening because the feminine receives. So it's opening to 
all and and the feminine receives it creates and it births that's the energy of the feminine so it's like staying really open to all of that and allowing it and then using that powerful strong masculine energy to bring things into the world the masculine is the rock it's the it's the um the the forward momentum energy that we need to bring all of that beautiful creativity so if we can heal ourselves and our own relationship with that from our past which oftentimes is our own childhood. It's also ancestral and potentially past life stuff as well. If we can kind of move through all of that and start to heal and integrate that within ourselves, showing up as a leader like that, whether we're a a male or a female in gender, but coming forward with, because like you said, you've got this beautiful connection with your intuition. And when you show up like that as a leader, nurturing, like the the feminine energy is to nurture, like a man can nurture as can a woman. Um, And a man and a woman can also show up as a leader in strength, you know, and sometimes it's like in strength. Sometimes it's that having to have that more, um, confronting type of conversation or sometimes it might be holding the energy for what somebody else is going through in strength Um, but if we can do that with for ourselves and then just trust because ayahuasca told me and I'm telling you all (laughs) no but just trusting that I think the energy has shifted like I don't think we have to show up in that way anymore I think that's the old way I think there are people hanging on and will still show up that way and that's where the fight lies now if we can put down that and move forward in this new way I mean wow I that's like I know your mic's too big but you just need to drop it (laughs) just drop the mic okay no that was a mic drop moment for me because I really have felt the energy of like this feminine um, and I love how you talked about it I think the younger generation like the millennials and my kids are seven and ten like they're not even going to be as attached to the gender roles like we are you know like exactly it's going to be fluid so we think about it in terms of gender but really it's like an energy of the masculine and feminine. I love how you described it as like the intuitive kind of receiving and then, you know, actually creating it and putting it into the space and making it happen. And, and really like it's an integration of those energies and letting them dance freely. So as mm-hmm. you were speaking, I was thinking, you know, like, well, everything you were saying, I'm like, oh my gosh, this, this mirror is beautiful. Like, I feel like I would say something very similar, but it's, but it's the dance of the masculine and the feminine. And how do you get there is by healing yourself. So really mm-hmm. understanding because like you started by saying when you were a teenager and you would have all these kind of like downloads and information and you could see things and, you know, and we start out like that, right? We start out as these really like free-spirited children and then the world kind of happens to us. And then mm-hmm. you know, only a small percentage of us, people like you and myself actually then start to uncover and unlayer the onions and find that like really bright light. But mm-hmm. I would love, since you're a paradigm shifter and a pioneer, I would love for us to lead a movement where you would ask me like, oh, how out there can I be in this podcast? And it's like where we're actually talking about ayahuasca and we're talking about inner child healing and we're talking about intuition. We're talking about seeing the future and, and all these things are just totally mainstream. So there's not for leaders like you and me that have really created things in the world in this very like form mainstream. Like if you look us up on a bio, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, this person's so impressive, right? <laughs> I would love for there to be people like us actually speaking, which I'm sure you are, but like really speaking about this as like, no, 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 this is not weird. This is actually, let's make this the default. The normal. Weird, yeah. yeah the weird <laughs> is actually like living through your false life, doing things for other people, 
acting like somebody, you know, all these things, all these fake things we're doing and the authenticity, like, why wouldn't that be the, the norm? Mm-hmm. And that's why, I mean, I choose to be so completely open with my audience wherever I am, whether it's in my book, whether it's on a podcast, whether it's something else I've written or put together, because, you know, that is like my highest value is freedom. And ultimately what I've come to discover is being exactly who I am is what freedom is like not having to censor anything, not having to hide or wear a mask or be something different. And I also talk about it because I have lived a profound life and had an incredible journey and I do want others to know that that's possible for them too as well. Yeah. So beautiful. So beautiful. Okay. But I'm now I'm curious about ayahuasca because I was like, I got to ask her more about that. So tell <laughs> us about the decision, how you decided to do it, where, like just whatever you want to divulge, whatever you feel. Yeah. So in 2000 and I was married previously and living this kind of, basically I woke up one day and I was like, okay, I've got everything that I thought I always ever wanted. I lived in Beaver Creek, which is arguably the best ski resort in North America. I lived in an eight bedroom, eight bathroom mansion with my ex-husband, who was a wonderful person and I had businesses and money in the bank and all the things you could think that I had been sort of working toward my whole life, trying to tick all the boxes to get there. And all of a sudden it was like uh, I'd ticked them all and there was nowhere else. And I was like, oh, wait, I still have a void inside of myself. You know, it's a very common story, I think, but I none of the external things that I was doing were able to fill the void. So we separated as part of me kind of wanting to find myself. I left that house. I became nomadic for a few years. And around 2018, I ended up having a breakdown. Like I really hit my rock bottom in 2018. And, you know, I was suffering the anxiety that I referenced earlier had become like so intense for me. And so all the time that then it had gone into what I would call as depression. I was feeling depression. I was feeling depressed. And, you know, that went probably for about six months. And then I had this, what I would call a breakdown. I just hit a point one day where I was like, I can't do this anymore. It's too hard. And I observed myself having ideas about not living anymore. And I I wouldn't use the term suicidal. I think that's probably more when you get to the planning stage, but I observed these thoughts of like, this is getting too difficult. I don't want to live. And as soon as I observed that, you know, I know how powerful my thoughts are because I also had manifested all of this amazing stuff into my life. And I was like, damn, if I don't get off this train, like I know where it goes. And so I kind of, I, I basically allowed myself to just break down. I was like, all right, this is it. You're at your rock bottom. Just stop everything that you have and take stock and figure out what you're going to do from here. So I booked a flight to my sister's house and just canceled everything. You know, I used to travel a lot. I had all these speaking engagements, all sorts of different things, conferences. I just canceled it all. And I went to my sister's house and started kind of thinking about how do I heal? Like things have to change in my life. And there were certain things going on at the time. There was a relationship I was in. I was living in a city I didn't want to be living in. There was all these kind of obvious things. Um, And I started sort of making those changes, but I don't know for anyone else who's been through a bit of a breakdown, like you hit that rock bottom, which in a way is kind of nice because you're like, all right, here I am. It's finally become too much, but you don't just pop straight back up to the top. (laughs) The, 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 The downward trail in becomes a slow mountain climb out. Um, And so I was on that climb and I was taking you know, my power back and starting to get life back in a way that I wanted, but I was still 
really struggling with a lot of kind of depressive type emotions and feelings. And I was trying everything, you know, I was doing yoga and meditation and journaling and all of the things that everybody tells you to do. Um, and it was keep, I would describe it as keeping my head above water. I was like on the surface, like treading water and, you know, it was, it was, it was doing okay, but I just was like, it's not moving the needle. And they do say that when ayahuasca calls you, it's a very, you know, she calls you and that's what happened to me. One day I received an email from a trusted source, a person I'd been following for a long time. And there was a link to Soltara, a retreat center in Costa Rica. Next thing I know, I clicked the link. I went and got my credit card. I opened my calendar. I found a date. I booked it and I got off my email and I was like, whoa, I'm going to go sit with ayahuasca in three weeks. It was just like that. It just happened. (laughs) And in that moment, I knew like, as I sat and reflected afterwards on like, whoa, okay, whoa, I'm going. Like I just did that. I knew like, this is my last ditch effort before considering going on antidepressants or something like that, because that was very intuitively, that was a no for me. I was just like, I don't believe in antidepressants. And I feel even more strongly about this now, which could be controversial for some listeners, but this is based on my own experience. And intuitively at the time, I just felt like, I know that's not the path that antidepressants to me, I felt like that'll be like using alcohol or busyness or sex or whatever else that I've used to distract myself in the past. It's just another thing to numb me out and distract me from whatever it is at the core that is causing this. Um, And so I felt like I, Ayahuasca felt very intense and very scary, but it felt like that's the thing that I need to do. And if that doesn't work after all of the yoga and the meditation and everything else that I've been doing, fine, I surrender. I'll go to the doctor, then give me the bloody antibody, uh, bloody antidepressants and, you know, we'll get on with it. Um, and so that's, that's really kind of what happened and how I found myself there. And I was absolutely terrified. I went alone because I knew that I had to, and I arrived at Saltara, which is an incredible, incredible place. One of the, the, you know, I felt very safe and very, um, they really nurture you and and take care of you through the entire process, which was what I needed for where I was at at that time. I thought I was very extroverted. I usually would go to an event or a retreat or something and I would show up. I would be friendly to people. I would like do all the things. And I arrived and I was like, I'm not here for anybody but myself. And I barely even spoke to anyone the entire retreat. So I was like, I'm just here for me. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of what took me there. And then, yeah, obviously, you know, I sat in ceremony four times in that week and it was amazing and very, very healing, very profound, very beautiful, very loving and nurturing. Um, you know, ayahuasca can be a lot of things, but, and I really do believe what they say that she'll give you what you need. And, and what I needed at that time was to be held and to be nurtured and to be loved. And that was the energy that I felt in, you know, the one most profound ceremony that I had, I just felt so safe and so much love and so much understanding and connection. And I was able to put down my intention for that ceremony was show me the path to forgiveness. Cause I'd gotten to this point where I realized this is the issue. This is why I'm feeling depression is because I can't let go of things that have been done to me. I say that with, you know, air quotes and things I've done to others. I couldn't let it go. I was constantly ruminating on the past and how things had played out. And, and I was, just showed me that 
everything is in its true nature. Everything just is what it is. There's nothing to forgive. You just let it go. And I know listening to that, that is my experience, my knowing, and you can't just hear my words and necessarily, you know, go, Oh, okay. I'll just let go of my depression or whatever. Like it doesn't work like that, but, but that, that is what worked for me. And, you know, I can say I've, I've not had anxiety symptoms, feelings since I've worried about things. I've had little moments of stress, but not that, that intense, like there's a wrench around my heart kind of thing. Um, And the way that I experience depressive feelings now is like, oh, I'm going into my underworld today. Like something's going on, you know, I got to go dive in. I got to go into the shadows and the darkness and I've got to, you know, see what this is all about and I'll come out the other side. And so it's just been beautiful. And I think one of the other things that I've realized through working with ayahuasca is how much (coughs) our society is conditioning us to not want to feel any of the supposed negative emotions. We're only meant to feel the joy and the happiness and the light. And that's unrealistic. And it's not the human experience It's not what any of us came here for. Um, Plant medicine work has helped me open to integrate and accept that full spectrum of human experience. Amazing. 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 Hold on. I just lost you. No, it's great. Um, I noticed when sometimes when I listen to certain speakers, they always break the technology because the vibration is too high. So we'll just call it. We'll just call it that we're, we're just breaking the technology. Yeah. <laughs> the vibration is too high. But um, yeah. so many amazing things that you just shared. And I actually did just watch The Last Shaman because I, which is a Netflix movie that I, it's a, if you've heard of it, it's about a young guy who actually goes to Peru to see it a shaman to do ayahuasca because he's so depressed and he's just like done. And I, I think he's only like 25 and um, it's a really cool story. But the way I found out about it is I have a friend of a friend who just opened a ayahuasca healing center in Peru close to Machu Picchu called Inca Sol. So oh, I haven't heard nice. this with the listeners before, but um, his name is Rene Borgia and uh, Stacy and I who run our inner Sangha kind of intuitive leadership group. He's a friend of hers, but anyway, and we, we've kind of been asking, you know, I've done a lot of hypnotherapy and I interviewed my hypnotherapist in the, my last, another uh, previous podcast episode. And, you know, we were speaking about, she was sharing with me, like how you said, when the depression comes, you kind of know, you just got to go, kind of go um, be with that energy and kind of just, you know, I think, I can't remember how you worded it, but you got to go with, go and like, hold Go into my underworld. It. Yeah, go into your <laughs> underworld. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when, I was asking her because I did like 10 hypnotherapy sessions. I was like, you know, when I have the negative thoughts or the really dark feelings now, like they don't last as long. And I kind of have the tools to be able to like go and move through it quickly. And so when you were sharing the story about your post ayahuasca, you know, how you're living your life now, so that was really cool. And the other part that's just like so cool is that um, we have similar stories in terms of you know, I turned 40, I had an executive job, I had a white picket fence, I had two kids, I had a nice house, I had a wife, all the things that you're supposed to do, like fancy college degrees. And there was just this really, this massive void. And it was like, wait, I did everything I'm supposed to do. You mm-hmm. know, and for me, it was like growing up poor and not having all these nice things. And I was like, oh, education's my way out of poverty. 
And so I did all this hard work to get educated. I went to Berkeley, I went to Stanford, I got all the degrees that make you so, you know, whole on the outside, supposedly. And here I was at 40 being like, I just don't even, what's the point? Like what's happening mm-hmm. here? Um, and I, there isn't, it, it's not coincidental that a lot of us kind of have these experiences in the midlife, you know, there's a reason why there's like the midlife crisis, but, mm-hmm. uh, but I think it's because like you were saying, we buy the definition of success, right? We, we buy a hook, line and sinker mm-hmm. and it's really, um, it's, it's just not true. <laughs> it's a no. lot. Yep. Right. <laughs> and it's so ingrained and it's so hard to let go of, um, especially if you are, on that higher achieving end of things, um, you know, similar. Yeah. I very much relate to that. Like ticking all those boxes, getting all those special educations or that experience or that thing to kind of make sure you look really perfect. And it's just, yeah, it's none of it is true. None of it is real. And it's like all of the stuff that you, you look at being around a child and looking at a child is like watching pure joy also watching the way they release the negative emotions just like that. And then they're gone, you know, that's, we could stay more, if we could stay more with that um, type of experience, a lot more presence, you know, but we're not, we're conditioned to be always looking forward, always looking for what's next. And um, yeah. It's so funny. Cause you know what the next question I wanted to ask you, well, what's next? <laughs> no, <but> I, <laughs> the question I wanted to ask is as you've integrated the masculine and the feminine energy, And, you know, Mm -hmm. I think we kind of go through these swings where we're like, I don't, you know, I'm just going to really follow my intuition or I'm, I'm, you know, like you said, you don't want to do to-do lists. I've gone through that phase. And I feel like I'm right back kind of in this integrated space where I'm like, I want to just live my life as kind of like all those things that I learned from the old version of me. And then all these kind of new ways of living that I have. And so in that lens of what's next? <laughs> like, you know, but what I, I know you're, I believe you're launching a new business or you're in the kind of the start of a new business, but I just like to hear how, how you integrate in a professional setting, you know, all these learnings and this profound experience you've had in terms of your business life and your mm-hmm. day-to-day, you know, business and how you run the business. Just, I just have so much curiosity about what it looks like for people like you that have kind of, that are shifting the paradigm and saying like, no, this is how I think business could be run and how leadership could look. And um, I just, I just so curious about that. I'm in this really interesting place. And it's funny you asked this question because I was chatting with, I had some friends come and stay the other night and we were looking at my vision board and we were talking about this sort of similar concept because I still, I create this vision board and it's really beautiful. But one of the focuses that I have for this time in my life is while I'm still visioning for the future, I'm very focused on being in gratitude and in presence for what I have now. So what, because what I realize is if I focus so much on the goals in the future, actually I'm in a scarcity energy or it's very easy to be into a scarcity energy because you're always sitting with where you are versus where you want to be and you're sitting with the gap. And so what I'm trying to do is not sit with the gap, but sit with how beautiful and expansive life is and the things that I'm moving toward, <clears throat> but in full like gratitude and appreciation for everything that is now, because everything that is coming already is in a way. Yes. And yes. so, you know, it's just like being with, with all of it. And so the business that I'm working on, cause you asked specifically about 
professional and business and stuff really feels like I'm in partnership with the universe. Like it's, I've downloaded this business. I'm, and, and the business is more than me, like it's existing. And, you know, every time I get a bit stuck and I sit with it and meditate, um, cause I kind of experience my businesses as energy, but the business will tell me like, get out of the way. <laughs> like, this yeah. is not about you. Like, just stop blocking. And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Like, you know, I'm like, that's like, I'll sit, I'll get caught up on something and think, oh, I'm not moving this thing fast enough. Like, what do I need to do? And I'll sit to meditate and be with it. And the business will be like, it's not about you. Like we're doing this anyway. Like you're along for the ride, which is nice, but like, just don't, don't be a block essentially. Yeah. So the way that I look at, <coughs> excuse me, sorry. The way that I look at the things that I'm I'm manifesting and working toward and calling in is like, I am here having this human experience and I want to have different experiences. Yeah. I want to continue that. I love it. It fills me up. It's exciting. And there is an excitement in the energy of like, oh, what could I possibly create? Or what will it be like when I experience that? And there's nothing wrong yeah. with that, provided we stay in the joy of the journey to get there. So, you know, I the business I'm working on, Grimotely, truly feel like it's a multi-billion dollar opportunity and I'm not particularly attached to the numbers being monetary but looking at it as what do I have to do to be the kind of human that can harness that level of energy like what what do I need to move out of my way that I can like put my arms around that kind of energy and do it with grace and do it with compassion and do it with love and expansion and do it in a way that it's like truly good for people, good for the planet. It's it's making a positive impact in our ecosystem. That's what I'm excited about. I'm excited about, can I build a unicorn company that is conscious and really is like conscious capitalism, you know, benefits all stakeholders and not get caught back into the typical society conditioning and not say, well, I'll be conscious as myself as a human and a leader, but like my business, I've just got to accept that it's like I have investors and it's a publicly listed company or something. So like we just have to do it this way. I'm like, no, everything is made up anyway. So I'm going to do a business that's like amazing at scale. Yes. Oh, I love that so much. And I love really the concept of the business as energy and hearing you say like trying to get out of the way. So I started um, my own school like five years ago as the founder and CEO. And I was told intuitively that like, you need to go <laughs> like, see you later, buddy. So really it was just like, you've started it, you've harnessed it. And honestly, the energy that I birthed that with five years ago was such a different energy, you know, of my own journey and my own kind of like expression of consciousness was just so different. Mm -hmm. There were a lot more wounds and, codependency and that kind of stuff. So mm -hmm. there was a lot of that kind of in the birthing of the school. And as I grew, um, I kind of grew out of the school and the school grew out of me. But through the process, which I'm sure you can relate to, it's like I had a lot of identification with that role, that title, that school, like, you know, because that's what people would say, oh, that's your baby. Oh, like, and everyone's always so impressed. Like, oh, you started 10 schools in 10 years. Whoa, wow. You know, like, so you get a lot of um, feeding of the pain mm -hmm. body that's kind of like oh yeah this is really impressive and but what I learned is that when I when I learned how to disidentify with the school then and just say like okay I'm getting out of the way it like everything opened up for me in my new business and you know doing the podcast and all the other things I'm working on and 
it's so simple. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's so simple but and everything so probably simple. opened up for the school as well. Like, oh, absolutely. and it's, yeah. it's like, I, I learned actually when we, when we founded League of Extraordinary Women, I, I wrote about in the first chapter of the book, but that's where I really learned that that business is a conscious entity of its own. It's not me, <laughs> you know, it's got yes. its own thing. And yes. I think it's, it's okay. Like we still, we, we have an ego and we are going to have ego attachments and it's a lifelong practice to, yeah. you know, have less attachment to things, but it's okay to still feel grief when, you know, I'm sure like, I feel exactly the same about remotely. I'm like, if there comes a time where I'm not the right person to be the CEO, that's totally okay. Like I'm not like going to, force myself to stay there to the detriment of myself and the company and everybody else. Like right. if it, if it feels like that's not the right move anymore, like I'm open to that. Yeah. And it's also okay if I go through a little bit of grief and a bit of letting go at that moment, exactly. like that's okay as well. Absolutely. It's a journey and we're not, you know, most human beings aren't here to transcend the ego. You know, most of us yeah. are here to wrangle it and kind of live with it do that dance because the ego is really what's giving us the human side of this experience without it when why are we even here we can just be like in the ethers back where we were before we came like depending on your belief system but yeah, yeah. Exactly. No, that's really cool but i really am inspired that your intention is to create a conscious business and to really you know as you were speaking I'm, i was thinking about like you know as two pioneers it's funny when you look back on something, you know, like one of the, um, I listened to Michael Beckwith a lot and he talks about, did anyone think the Berlin Wall was going to fall in 1988? And in 1990, everyone's like, of course the Berlin Wall fall, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so it's just interesting to think about, like, as you were speaking, I was like, I wonder what like Ben and Jerry's was thinking, was it in the nineties or whatever year it was the eighties where they were like, we're going to do all these things for people or we're going to, you know, like these ideas that seem so just not normal, but it's like, I love that you're committing to let's not just be a conscious individual human being in my like quote unquote personal life, but also like everything that I'm involved with is an expression of consciousness. Mm -hmm. So if I'm starting a company, that means that it's an expression of consciousness. And if I have some, you know, there's energy around that, like my energy, my actions are connected. I can't actually separate out Well, I'm going to run a company and it's going to be, you know, completely unconscious and that's fine. And then over here, I'm going to meditate a lot and everything's going to be fine. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I really, really appreciate that. And I, I really am inspired to meet people like you because I feel like this is the future. And like you were saying, you're really um, aware that you can create and co-create your reality. And so um, you're creating the future by, by committing and embodying this conscious leadership and this conscious, it's super inspiring to me. Mm -hmm. thank you felt <laughs> awesome cool well, i want to wrap up but um just any other things you want to share about that you know we didn't get to touch on or any um where can we find you you know that kind of stuff just to make sure we don't forget that <laughs> yeah um well i have my own website sarahholly.life where i write different things from time to time. Um, you can find me on all the social media and everything like that. Um, and growmotely.com, check that out. And my new book, Conscious Leadership. Um, if you like it, I'd love it if you could leave a review on Amazon. Um, tell me what you think. Yeah. And I'd love to hear from people as well. Like feel free to just reach out. Um, I'm pretty accessible and I do love to hear what people think. I'm very open-minded and I don't think there is any right or wrong 
good or bad. I'm not a binary thinker. I, I describe my thinking as more like a rainbow, you know, it's, yeah. it's not, not even just shades of gray. It's like literally it's infinite. The possibilities that could be true and could be real. Um, so yes. I'm always open to having chats about different things. So, yeah. That's so incredibly important. And I just realized we, I didn't get you an opportunity to share a little bit about Grow Motley because I did look it up and I was really, that was super cool. And I told my wife, cause she's, um, she's deciding if she wants to go back into like the workforce. And I was like, Hey, maybe you should do something like this, but tell us about it. Oh, we would love to have her. Yeah. So Grow Motley is a platform that in its fullest expression will connect people with companies um, based on culture and passion and alignment. So we are at the early phases of that. At the moment, it's acting as kind of a job board and matching people into fully remote positions. But the more that we build our community, we're going to be using data to actually match people with companies where you know they care about the same things, they show up in the same way, they have the same value set. And, you know, I just believe in 2021, literally you can, people are making money doing anything and everything you can yeah. think of. And you, wherever you are in the world, can find those people wherever they are in the world. You know, the world just, it didn't just open up. It was already open, but COVID showed us that it was open. Yeah. The internet is what really opened the world up. Um, yeah. But during this pandemic last 12 months or what have you is everybody's obviously experienced remote work. They know it's possible. And I'm just really excited about bringing this to people. I think the easiest way to describe the type of people that are in our community is very much that, that sovereign individual, that human who identifies with, you know, taking responsibility from themselves, not looking for the government or a corporation to take care of them. And in return, you know, when you are sovereign, you have all of that freedom of expression, freedom of self, your freedom of thinking of limits of all sorts of things. Um, and being able to work in that way is really beautiful. Like to work in a company where you get to show up, do your best work. They trust you to do it however you want, you know, and there's a financial exchange in there for sure. That's energy going backwards and forwards, but you know, you don't have to like be forced to come to a building between certain hours and share space with all these other people who have all different habits and behaviors of you. And like, it's just, it's so backward now that I really think about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm really excited. And I, I do feel that, you know, one day, maybe five, 10 years down the track, like this is the way most people will be engaged in employment is on the Grimotely platform. Beautiful. And I, I was just going to joke and be like, your, one of your taglines could be, there's a reason why The Office was literally one of the most popular television shows ever. Yes, exactly. <laughs> because Ross was like, what are we doing here? And I, yeah. I spent my 20s in kind of like the business professional, like I did banking. I actually worked two blocks from the White House. I wore a three-piece suit and I went wow. into the bank and it was 8.30 to 5 and everyone was gone at 5.01 and it was just like this whole culture of The Office. <laughs> but what I'm really inspired by is I totally agree with you that like because of COVID and even before then you already kind of had this, we're on, on top of this, but like the way we're working is changing. And I love mm -hmm. that you're really like um, pushing on the status quo of that. And from my angle as a, someone who helps, you know, with schools and is really thinking about how to reimagine re the educational and the learning experience for kids, they go hand in hand. And then a lot of my listeners are conscious parents and they're all connected. Everything's always connected. We know Everything. This, but, mm -hmm. but if we're talking about remote workers now, which means 
um, their kids could actually be in the home with them like we just did for the last year. And you're also talking about like for my family, we had, our life is so different because we spent the year together for the mm-hmm. last 15 months. Like it was really hard for the first three months because we have bought the story that you should put your kids in an after school program and put them in school from eight to five because that's mm-hmm. what the factory model work world looks like. So exactly. then we have to replicate the factory model and then create a school factory model and then and everyone's running around like robots. So um, I'm just so inspired because our family is so much closer and we're mm-hmm. kind of getting back into this, you know, what do we do now kind of idea. And we're not sure if we want to do the homeschooling or what, you know, what we're doing. But I mean, my whole business now is remote. Like mm-hmm. I don't need to go into any building whatsoever. And most of my clients are not all of my clients are all over the world. I don't meet with any of them in person. And so this is the norm. Like it's already here. It's not the future. It's already here. No. And it's just so exciting because, yeah, I mean, I love my husband. I love my baby son. I love my dog. These are the people that I'm choosing to spend the bulk of my life with. Why would I want to spend 60 to 80 hours a week not with them? So, you know, what I love is my husband and I both have our own companies. We both work remotely. Um, and we're planning not to send our son to school unless he really wants to. I mean, he's just born, so we've got time. But, yeah, <laughs> but the idea yeah. is that we we love to travel. We love movement. Yeah. We have a house in Austin and a house in Colorado. We already split time between. We also have a camper. Um, it, that's really important for who we are as people, and that's yeah. the kind of family we want to raise. And how amazing that we actually live in a time when we can. We can yeah, still meaningfully hard. contribute to the world we can, I can create a billion dollar company that changes everyone's lives from my camper. Um, and I want to raise children who know that they can do and be anything they want in a way that feels most aligned to them. Like they don't need to conform to a certain society. And obviously I'm naive, new parent. We'll, we'll talk about it again later. <laughs> no, we're going to end right there but, on what you just said. A lot of my <laughs> listeners will love that and know you're not naive because you are tapped into the truth and that is the truth. So Thank you so much. I really enjoyed like every second of this. It was a great conversation. Me too, David. Thank you for having me. I really loved doing this interview with Sarah and I applaud her pioneering work to build such an authentic and meaningful life. What parts of your leadership style, whether as a parent in your own home, in the workplace or classroom, could you use a tune-up to guide you toward your own authenticity? Also, keep an eye out for an announcement about a free webinar for the Inner Sangha, which will be offered at the end of July. And the Inner Sangha is a 12-week intensive master heart, mastermind for leaders, seekers, givers, and a place to really build the community and become a more authentic version of yourself. And last but not least, please rate and review this podcast wherever you listen to A Conscious Way Forward. Thank you so much. Thank you.